You're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide, a podcast where we discuss life, music, and spirituality. I'm your host, Eric Tomyer. What is this, episode number eight? Wow, man, things we're just flying right through these, aren't we? <laughs> and it's been a really cool trip so far. And today we get to sit down with Kyle Geller. Uh, he's a new friend, so looking forward to this conversation. We talked a couple of hours, probably. So look for a few episodes to be peppered in over the next few months. And uh, I look forward to getting to know Kyle a little bit better. I'm going to continue on with that little mini-series I've been doing, Love God with All Your Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength, and I've covered the first three, so today is about loving God with all your strength, and what does that mean? Uh, According to that book Primal that I told you guys about, Mark Batterson, the pastor of a church out in D.C., equates loving God with all your strength as sweat equity. It's strength equals energy. It's the thing that you actually start to do. It's where the rubber meets the road. You can make it spirituality as ethereal as you want, as contemplative as you want. But James, the first century church leader in Jerusalem and the half-brother of Jesus, puts it this way. You can talk about faith all you want, but I'll show you my faith by what I do. That's my own personal translation of that. So the sweat equity part. Uh, Mark Batterson writes, a lot of people say, ready, set, go, but he thinks that's backwards. Sometimes you just got to go, set, ready. Sometimes you can't just plan it all out. You got to hit the road, man. You got to get some things going. You've got to do. Loving God with your strength is seeing what needs to be done and doing it to further this kingdom mindset. The kingdom of heaven is all around us now. It's not a someday thing. It's not a blessed hope thing. It's make life better for other people right now. So it all goes together. Love God with all your heart, which is compassion. Love God with all your mind, which is curiosity. Love God with all your soul, which is wonder. And love God with all your strength, which is going out and doing something about it. All right, guys. That was that, and now it's time for this. All right. Guys, this is going to be the first time I've ever interviewed someone that I just met. Hey. We're getting ready to to get to know Kyle Geller. That's everything. That's that's your name, right, Kyle Geller? Yep. I go. I go. I use my middle name. I toss my uh, middle name in there for differentiation purposes. So I go with Kyle Waters Geller. But Kyle Waters Geller. Either one works. All I used right. to just go by Geller because I was a hockey player. So. Okay. Where did you play <laughs> hockey? Uh, I grew up in Long Beach. Okay. So, I mean, between Lakewood and Huntington Beach, those were the two closest ice rinks. All right. Yeah, my little brother played some hockey. I can't even stand up on skates. <laughs> I mean, I literally cannot stand up on skates. So tell me a little bit about, uh, you grew up in Long Beach, man. So oh, yeah. were you born in Long Beach? No, I moved there. I don't remember. So my mom's from Long My mom's, uh, my mom grew up in Long Beach. Okay. So she's been there forever. My grandma's been there forever. My uh, my grandpa was a Navy guy. That's how they wound up in Long Beach. Okay. And uh, back in the day, it was a big Navy town. Okay. And so my mom did the whole, she was in like the Dogtown crew and shit. So she All was right. like surfing up in Venice with those dudes. And she was uh, wasting out in Malibu. She met a dude and fell in love, got <laughs> married. And then as soon as, or as, soon as uh, they got married, he pretty much, he took away like, 
wouldn't let her call anybody, like pretty much kidnapped her away from her family. Oh, geez. Took her up north to Half Moon Bay. And then uh, she was pregnant by then. So she literally just waited to have me and then uh-huh. drove straight back to Long Beach. Holy crap. And I'm like, that was that's it. So Long Beach, I mean, I literally don't know anything else but Long Beach. All right. Yeah. So when I first moved to LA, like in 2005, people were like, oh, Long Beach, LBC, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And now I go down there, it's like a hipster's paradise. Dude, it's. It's crazy, man. It's gotten it's gotten just as gentrified every as everywhere else, and it's a trip. I remember the riots. Like mm-hmm. I went to the, I always went to school in the hood up until high school, mm-hmm. even high school. I mean, when I went to my high, I went to Wilson. When I went to high school, it was a little more cleaned up. Literally the year before and every other year, my I went to the school uh, that the uh, Freedom Riders. Okay, yeah. So that was my school. That's where right. went, that's where I went to high school. All right, when did you graduate high school? 2001. 2001? All right, you're you know about uh, eight, nine years younger than I am. All the, right. The crazy thing about that, though, so that was Freedom Riders. That was our school literally until the year I went. Okay. And when I went, I was, and this wasn't the first time. It happened in junior high. I feel very special for some reason for this, but I was always in the first class. It's stupid. I'm, not, I'm totally fucking around. It's not special. I sucked. It was the worst thing ever. We were the first class in the country to wear uniforms to a public school. All right. It was part of this new Bill Clinton thing. Okay. And we were the first classical high school. Like, they were trying to do it. And the fucked up thing was, it was only ninth graders. Okay. <laughs> so 10th, 11th, and 12th, they're rocking like regular clothes. The plan, the, so the plan was by the time we got to senior year, everybody's wearing them. But All right. Man, that sucked. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't bad enough going into a new Fre- school. Freshman, freshman year is the yeah. worst. was the worst year ever. And you literally, so you, now you literally had a target on your back. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> you're a freshman. Yeah. I, I went to a school that was only ninth and 10th grade. And oh, wow. Yeah. It was a weird thing. They went, they've done away with that since then uh, in Norman, Oklahoma. You're from Norman? Yeah. Oh, man. I got a, one of my really good friends that, like, that I've met in like greater L- is from Norman. He played football for him and everything. He's a big. Big time dude out in Norman, man. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. That's the, the first guy I interviewed for my podcast, uh, Tim, he played for OU. No way. Yeah. Um, and I met him here uh, working at USC. Yeah. So I grew up, there's this school called Central Mid-High, and it, it fed in everyone from the east side of town into this school, ninth and 10th grade only. And then Norman High was 11th and 12th grade, and it had everyone in town, basically. So you had like... 15 elementary schools, three middle schools that were 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then two mid-highs that were ninth and 10th. Then everybody went to school together, 11th and 12th grade. That's interesting. I know, it's weird. The weirdest thing about being a freshman in a school that's only freshmen and sophomores is that the sophomores still thought they could still screw around with you. <laughs> like, I was, I, I've been this size since I was 14 years old. Likewise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I was five foot ten and 160 pounds, and this sophomore who was like five foot seven and like 120 was like, hey, freshman. And I was like, all right. But the worst thing about my school, nothing. I mean, I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. There's stuff. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. For this to be the worst thing about my school is to say this is a pretty good school. The bathroom doors, the stalls had no doors. No doors. So if you're there and taking a dump, people just walk by. Hey, I'm like, dude, I do not want to talk to you right now. I'm in the middle of something, <laughs> you know? And so I just, you know, I held it every day. <laughs> I did not want to put myself through that. I mean, public shitting is bad enough. Yeah, that was the worst thing. So looking back on it, it wasn't that bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I went and stayed out in Tulsa for a little bit. Uh-huh. Like a few months. I can I couldn't hang. I went through a flood and everything. I was like, oh, fuck, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. The weather in Oklahoma is 
the absolute worst. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's why you can buy a house for $100,000 in a nice neighborhood. Poor, poor places. Now they're getting earthquakes. Yeah. <laughs> so so Oklahoma, Oklahoma has everything. <laughs> okay, here's the weather in Oklahoma in a nutshell. Summers are stupid hot. Like and 100 nasty, degrees. Nasty hot. Humid. Ugh. Not Orlando humid. Yeah, that's, but, yeah, you got that. Yeah. But humid and hot. But what Orlando doesn't have is the bitter cold winters. We get bitter cold, but not beautiful. No snow. We don't have, like, winter wonderland. It's just ice storms and wind chills that blow barns over, you know? It's spring, nice temperatures, but tornadoes the entire time. The only good weather is in fall. Football season, nice and cool, misty, rains every once in a while, cloudy, frost in the morning, heats up during the day. Beautiful. But now we got those earthquakes. So there's really no, no good place to be. Oklahoma is one of those places, the way I like to say it, it's a great place to be from. Yeah. No, you know, I, yeah. I was, uh, I was telling people, they're like, oh, how was it? I'm like, mm, the coolest thing I did was go to the center of the universe or whatever. You know, <laughs> that thing, like you just stand on that, that little circle and scream and it echoes right back in Tulsa. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I know what that is. That was the funnest thing I did. <laughs> Pretty bad trip over there. Yeah. People who are there, people who grew up there and stayed there, they think it's awesome. They love it. I will say this, though. The barbecue in Oklahoma beats the crap out of the barbecue in Los Angeles. Tacos here, no no question. <laughs> Most food here, no question. But I've gone to barbecue places here. People are like, oh, you're going to love this barbecue. Or fried catfish or like some other southern cuisine. And I'm like, I got one for you. All right. I'll, I'll give it to you after because I don't remember the name, but I know exactly how to find it. Okay. It's only open three days a week. Oh, man. For like four hours. They sell out every day. <laughs> it's like, oh. Do move to Texas. Texas has got some good barbecue. To, just to learn it and then came back. Oh, okay. Because he's from L.A. I lived, I lived in Dallas for four years, and I developed, I started developing my like for smoked meats in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Even though my dad was really good at it, I just, <laughs> I just, I don't know, it wasn't my thing. But now it is. I love it. All right, dude. So growing up in Long Beach, any exposure to spirituality during that time? I give a lot of credit to my personality as a grown-up, to my mother. As a single mom, she did things a little different than I think a lot of... I don't know. This is my experience. I don't really know if she did different. But judging on some family talks I've heard, mm -hmm. they definitely... She was looked at different. Like they were like, "Are you sure that's the right way to raise your son?" You know, right, right. Because I remember, I mean, she, I could be anything I wanted. I could have been Jewish if I wanted to. I could have been fucking Catholic if I wanted to. I could have been anything. Mm -hmm. My mom would have backed me hundred percent. She took me to Catholic school. Didn't like it. She took me, you know, she took me to church. Like she let me go to church with these kids for Christian camp. Like, you know, what I mean, she shopped around. It was just like, just do your thing, kid. Like, so, and my mom, my mom's just a very She's not a religious person. She is a very spiritual person. Okay. Like, she very she's very in tune with feelings, I guess you could say. And I mean, like right now she's in the whole uh she's been into yoga forever. You know, she had a yoga studio and all that stuff, but she's uh you know, she introduced me to like Reiki and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. So I mean spirit spirituality has definitely been a huge part of my life in one way or another. Um, like I said, I'm not a religious dude at all. I believe in stuff. Right. Not, I definitely don't believe in nothing. I definitely don't think, like, I don't, I'm definitely not a. Was it? I'm definitely not an atheist. Like, right. Yeah. A lot, touch, <laughs> touching around on lots of stuff. Yeah. There. Yeah. You, you you strike me as someone who likes music. 
Yes, sir. All right. What's Love. what's your favorite kind of music? Oh man, I don't I don't really have a favorite kind of music. All right. I like you know, my favorite kind of music is good music. Good music. Yeah. I, I'm I'm the same way. I except I do have a favorite kind of music. Classic rock. <laughs> classic rock. That's that's right. Um, I love classical music. I love classic rock. I like uh, and for me, like classic rock is 60s and 70s because of my age. Uh, I talk to younger people now, and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that classic rock, like Nirvana, Metallica. I was like, what? wait a minute, what? That doesn't make sense to me. Because yeah. I think of classic rock as uh, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, Rolling Stones. And I love, so I do love all of classic rock, because I do love Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and Alice in Chains and the entire thing that happened in the 90s. That's when I graduated high school, it was in 93. So I, I love all that, but... I, I still can't wrap my head around how long ago that was and that that's considered classic rock. So rock and roll is my favorite. Uh, classical music, I like jazz, I like blues. I appreciate all the other kinds of music. Hip-hop, rap, country, R&B. Um, and there is some country that I love. Most country I can't stand, but I love Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and like these old school dudes, you know, they're so good. So that's my favorite. But what about a specific song that say for me, when I hear a song on the radio, um, which is a very old fashioned thing to say, most songs take me somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. A memory of some port. But what's the song that always takes you to the same memory? I was thinking about this one, man. I think it's a fucked up one too. And it's actually weird. It's not like a grouping, but it's, it would have to be that, uh, that song crazy by CeeLo. Okay. That, and there was a, and I'll, I'll go into it. Yeah, yeah, go into it. So it was, it was that and um, This Is The Place by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Uh, I was in a really bad place in my life. Uh-huh. Like, terrible place. And things were just progressively just, like, getting worse. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, like, if your surroundings are fucked up and you're still sitting there, you're no better than than that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's never... You can't point the finger everywhere else, like if you're sitting in the middle of a fucking circle. Like, right, right. It's just not gonna work. So, I remember uh, I was doing a lot of drugs, man. I was doing drugs. I was selling drugs. I was doing that whole shit, hanging out with like way too dangerous of people, like just the top of the top. Like I, I didn't like to hang out with the like mediocre, stupid people. Like I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be here. Like right, you know. And uh, I was the little kid, man. I was the younger dude. I like you know my twenties, younger twenties, but all these other dudes were at least like. 30 35 <clears throat> mm-hmm. and there was this little computer room in the back of this little this is, this is pretty much a drug house like, mm-hmm. that's where people came to get drugs like, oh yeah I, i've been there yeah and I, I i stayed there i didn't have a place to live so i stayed there like i was best friends with the guy two guys that ran it so that's where i stayed and i was uh sitting in this back little computer room he just got this brand new mac and i was like the only one that knew computers and that was like just at the time when the um what do you call it? The external hard drives just came out. Okay. So I'm like, hundred meg, like hundred megs on a fuck thing. Like, oh, dude, I can get like twenty songs on this, like whatever. <laughs> and I kicked it with some pretty uh, bigger musicians around that time too. And so when it got to two fifty gigs, I'm literally going to all these dudes' houses and just raping their hard drives for music because I'm mm-hmm. like. You know, I hung out with the guy that played punk, I you know, with a hip hop artist, with even a techno DJ from the 90s, which was a trip, you know? Yeah. Like, but I'm taking all their collections, and I came up with the most eclectic collection. Anyway, I would sit, I'd come back to this computer, plug it in, do this thing, you know? 
And uh, I remember when the crazy song came on, I literally just lost my shit. I started crying like weird. I'm not like that emotional of a dude, you know? Right, right. And I just lost my shit, man. And I just looked around and I was just like, damn, like I'm in a fucking really bad place. And then coincidentally, that fucking This Is The Place came on right after that. Okay. On Shuffle. And I'm like, this is the place. Yeah. Like, this is that place. Like. And honestly, man, between those two, like, that was the beginning of a seed that I planted in my own head, really, to get me out of that whole life. Yeah, so, music, I mean, that's very, very, very relevant. Yeah, music is super powerful, man. It's the type of thing that it can speak to you in ways you didn't even realize it could. And then it becomes like this uh, touchstone. Yeah. Every time you hear it, you're back to that spot, and you're like, I can't go back there. Yeah. That's a spot I can't be. Yeah, there's a lot of songs like that. For me, you, you mentioned Nirvana. One of my best friends in high school, we worked together at Taco Bell. We didn't actually go to school together. We, you know, He went one side of town. I was on the other side of town. And so we worked at Taco Bell together. And he also went to uh, Votech for hairstyling, like to learn how to cut <laughs> hair. And so he just always cut my hair. So I was over at his house, early 92. And he was like, dude, I'm going to put on this CD for you. And I was like, okay. And he put on Nevermind by Nirvana. And we were both just like, what is this? Yeah. It's, it changes everything. <laughs> you know, because hair metal ruled the day at that point. Right. Warrant, she's my cherry pie. It was that type of <laughs> crap that was on the radio. And all of a sudden, here's kind of a classic rock sound coming back again. Actually, Nirvana took me a little while to warm up to because I'd gotten so inundated with, I mean, I still liked the Beatles. I was really an... I was really into folk music at that time. Neil oh, wow. Young, yeah. Tom Petty, John Lennon, you know, stuff that was a little more folky. So it took me like a minute. But by the t- second playthrough, I was like, yeah, this is this is it. And then I discovered Pearl Jam and I discovered Alice in Chains. I got to see Alice in Chains in concert before uh, uh, Lane Staley passed away. That was great. But every time I hear Smells Like Teen Spirit, I think of sitting in Emmett Walker's bedroom, him cutting my hair and listening to i mean we're just a couple of you know craphead teenagers who worked a crappy job together that's what that reminds me of it's a little bit more uh light-hearted than than crazy by it's Steve a light-hearted Bob. ones yeah. too but i was like no that's, no no, that's the no we fucking... gotta we gotta go deep man we gotta yeah. go deep there are people listening who are in that my last episode my last guest rhoda she was talking about feeling suicidal and cutting herself yeah. as a minister oh damn and just needed someone to listen yeah so here we are there could be someone's like, yeah, man, I need, I just need someone to listen, or I need something on my playlist that's going to help me. I'll uh, link these songs in the description below, so people can be like, okay, yeah, yeah, let me find that song. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll change my life, you know. I, I'm music, man. It's, it's my everything, dude. Um, the thing that trips me out about music is they say you could play a song. An Alzheimer's patient won't remember their kid's name, mm-hmm. but you could play a song and they'll fucking hum the shit out of the whole thing. Yeah, they'll they know remember it. every single thing of that song. There's something to be said to that, man. Yeah, George is- George Harrison from the Beatles calls that strumming. He, he thinks love, like the actual all-encompassing love, can be summed up in music. That vibration that happens with music is something that vibrates within my soul, vibrates within your soul, and that's the thing that connects us together, is the vibration, the nice. cosmic vibration of music is life, is love. But uh, I think... I'll- I just want to say one more thing. Yeah, I, got, man. I got really lucky, I think, as a kid, too. Like, not even, you know, aside from the spirituality thing, my mom 
like not knowing it. Well, Long so Long Beach in general is it's one of the most diverse places on the planet, like oh, per right. capita. So I mean, it's crazy. Like we got everything. And growing up in the hood, but being a light dude, like my mom always wanted me to hang out with like rich white dudes because uh-huh. she's like, just fu- see that, just fuck it. You don't get a part of that. Like you're already part of this. Like yeah, check this out. You know, and uh, her first. Her first boyfriend, like she serious dude, like passed away, but uh, he was the guy. He's Dave Stevens, who created the Rocketeer, and he was like a big Betty Page artist. Oh, okay. You know? And like the Rocketeer was like one of the first, like other than Superman and Batman, it was like one of the first comic book movies out. Okay. And so like, oh, the Rocketeer, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he right. created that. That was like my growing up with that dude, and so he had a cool like rockabilly ish kind of style. Okay. And so I got that whole like music kind of from him and then my mom would listen to like everything from bonnie ray to oh yeah to oldies and then my uncle had left a uh, carton of records back and it was all like the cramps so like punk rock like all okay that. yeah yeah and then i went to school you know with a bunch of black dudes so i got i got into hip-hop like fucking like crazy that was from i can re- from the time i can remember listening to music was like everything thrown at me Oh yeah, so I got super lucky on that man, and like ah, I just ran with that, like, and that's I mean that's the reason music's pulled me out of every dark place I've ever been into. It's put me into every. I mean, music's the reason I got into film, which ultimately like saved and made my whole life better. Yeah, you know, and it's all because of music. It's all because of music. Yeah, yeah. Well, music is a powerful spiritual tool, man. It connects people. Yeah. You know, like like George Harrison was saying. So tell me about like your your films and and what you do. What what is it that you do? Uh, director, first and foremost. Okay. I'm a, I'm a renaissance man. I like, I, I brand myself as a creative genius. Okay. Um, I do everything, literally everything creatively. And I, I like to think I do everything pretty well. I mean, I draw and paint, I do, I paint canvases and stuff. I got a graphic design shirt printing thing. I do, um, make films of all kinds. I do music videos. I write. Uh, do the podcast the podcast things going uh being on photography yeah anything i can really just make into a physical thing other yeah. than music 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 is the one i love it so much i i tried to be in a i was in a band for like three months we did a bunch of shit learned how to play bass and stuff but like i was like i said hang i hung out with way too good of musicians and mm-hmm. appreciated them and and the music too much to where i was like i'm just gonna leave this one alone like i can be good at the other stuff like yeah I mean, some people can do, some things come easy to some people, some things people work hard for, the the, the greats, things come kind of easy, then they work their asses off yeah. to, to make it happen. Music, like I played guitar for 29 years. I love it, but I've met kids who have played for two years that are better than me, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, that's uh, humbling. Yeah, it's very humbling because people hear me and they're like, "Oh, you're you're really good." I'm like, "Yeah, well, thirty years, you know, I probably ought to be better, <laughs> you know." And these kids are getting better at everything sooner too. Like, I think it's because like art. I would say like we're kind of we're grouped in almost the same like mm-hmm. bracket. I don't know whatever you want to call that of age. Like, yeah, you know, the thirty fives or the whatever. I know if I had a kid right now, I would want him to be the coolest fucking dude ever like ever you know have this i'd be playing different languages every morning 
you know, getting getting French, German, uh, you know, uh, every kind of Middle Eastern language down, like do all that, and then I'd be have you know, I'd build a half pipe in the backyard, a hockey rink on the side yard, and I'd just <laughs> let them pick his battles and just get real good at everything, you know, like I don't, I feel like that's like. I just look at skaters and music, like kids doing, like you watch these YouTube videos where the kids are tearing up double bass pedals on the yeah. drum kits and playing like the most amazing solos. And I, it's because their parents did such a good job of inundating that like real quick and like almost. And there's there's a, a an inbred talent to it too. I mean, yeah. you can go back 400 years. Mozart, you know, did his first symphony at age four. Beethoven was like 12. He was a few years after, and his dad was beating the crap out of him because he couldn't play <laughs> as well as Mozart. I mean, nobody could. You know, it was a natural thing. Beethoven just worked harder. Uh, Hendrix died at age 27. So he was already just amazing yeah. at, at an early age. Hell, the Beatles were 19 when they were putting together some, some of that stuff. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, these guys were children yeah. writing anthems that we still connect with today. There's always been the amazing musicians who just get it early. Right. Who just, but yeah, there are more things available, lessons available. YouTube, if I don't know how to do something, YouTube is there. I taught myself how to edit yeah. off YouTube. Yeah, it's a university, man. <laughs> it's, it's just there. Yeah, if you're not using YouTube for educational purposes, you're slacking. I know. I know people who that's all they watch is YouTube. I have a my wife's youngest sister. She's like 14 or something, 15. I don't want to offend you if you listen. You shouldn't listen to this actually. <laughs> um, so if you're listening, stop. You just need to stop listening now. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to talk about you, Lydia. Anyway, all she watches is YouTube. And we, my wife asked her, hey, did you see this thing on TV? She's like, all I watch is YouTube. So YouTube is like celebrities, like people who make videos and have a lot of followers for that generation. It's not just her. It's just about anybody that age. Uh, ask them if they know who a television, someone who I would think of as a, a popular actor. They don't know who that is. Yeah. They know someone who makes videos, uh, makeup tutorials or Someone who falls on their face for a living, you know, and it's, I don't even know how they get paid, but it's not for me to know. Some things are just outside of my purview. Yeah. It's starting to make me feel real. I don't know. I hate it and love it. If there, you know, it gives a platform for everything though. And that's the thing, but it also gives a platform for everything. Right. So. Yeah. That's your, your plus and your minus is, is, is a platform for everything <laughs> i try to i've been watching reaction videos lately and i'm like how did i get into this how do why do i enjoy this so much watching young people or even older not older older younger than me still but people who grew up only listening to hip-hop like reacting to pink floyd and i'm just like yeah oh what's your opinion on this because somehow <laughs> that matters to me all of a sudden and i'm like I, I like watching people joyfully discover what I've already joyfully discovered. And I wish I could go back and joyfully rediscover it. But I'm like, am I trying to joyfully discover what they grew up into? Not really. I'm not watching, you know, cranky old white dude discovers hip hop. I'm, it's, if I'm like, oh, someone's discovering uh, Days and Confused by Led Zeppelin. I wonder what they think about it. And what what is their what what reactions on their face right now? <laughs> I know, and they all have like twelve million subscribers. Yeah, and I'm like, 
and then probably all people like me. You know, it's not their it's not their people. It's not people who also love hip hop. You know, it, it's people who love the classic. They, they came here for the Led Zeppelin song, and they stayed for the guy's opinion about it. <laughs> and I don't know why I care. It's like watching The Voice. I was like, I'm like, reality TV is stupid. I hate reality TV. I never watched it before. I'd never seen Survivor. I'd never seen American Idol. But about three years ago, I stumbled onto The Voice, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I am just like everybody else. (laughs) I was all about cops back in the day. Oh, the original. Yeah, yeah, I remember that show. The daddy of the reality TV. Well, I mean, anytime someone can... uh, like just stumble around with no shirt on saying it wasn't me. Let me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> my uh, I think the episode, my favorite episode has to be uh at naked this the buffest the like this dude was just yoked. It was like a light skinned black dude just short and yoked out of his brain with the Swedish Jerry curl, right? Oh man. Dude's butt naked and his face was silver. His nose and his mouth was pure silver. From doing so much paint. And this fool's just literally, literally punching through backyards. He's just walking through fences, <laughs> punching them. And then, like, takes on, like, five cops and they finally get him. It's amazing. I've never seen that. <laughs> it wasn't me and your face is silver as shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that line from Shawshank Redemption. Everybody in here is innocent. <laughs> you know, a lawyer screwed me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, that was part one with Kyle. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. And we sat down and talked for like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And so I'm going to just pepper in a bit of Kyle here and there over the next couple of months. Um, I got a lot of episodes in the can already for the next couple of months. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear those. Got uh, Dan Leonard and Trevor Algat coming up. So uh, buckle up for that stuff. A lot of good good conversations because that's what life is all about is the relationships you have and the decisions you make and the conversations you have so all right kids don't be assholes